Nard is oil extracted from the root and spike of the nard plant. The best nard in biblical times was imported from India and was made into a priceless perfume. Here is Mary carrying a jar of this extravagant and precious ointment. Mary cradles a full pound of it. In today's dollars, that vase of nard would cost $50,000. What could you do with that? Sustain a family of four for a year? Make a down payment on a house? Help a homeless family become self-sufficient? Mary poured it all out on the feet of Jesus. New Testament scholar Ben Witherington calls what Mary does an annoying anointing. What a lavish indulgence. People were shocked. They gasped for air as Mary wipes Jesus' feet with her hair and as the aromatic fragrance of the costly oil wafts through the room, one of the disciples begins to bellyache and complain that this act of devotion is way over the top. Judas, one of the 12, criticizes Mary for wasting money that could have been well spent to feed the poor. But he's not the only voice of resistance in this story. Many of the religious folks are annoyed with Jesus because he just raised Lazarus from the dead. This radical prophet named Jesus is stirring things up in the community and the religious people, they're getting nervous. So they issue an arrest warrant for Jesus. By the end of the week, Jesus will be arrested and crucified. Mary annoys people by anointing the feet of Jesus, who is also annoying people. There is a dividing line right down the middle of this gospel story. On the one side, you see Mary loving Jesus without thinking through the cost. On the other side, Judas and many others counting the cost, the cost not only of that nard, but the cost of losing their way of life in a political, social, and cultural climate that is shifting with the wind. Sometimes I too find myself counting the cost of love and measuring it out carefully like Judas did. I only have 24 hours in every day. I only have so much energy and I have finite resources. My pocketbook only has so many dollars inside. So honestly, we can't do everything. How many homeless people can my family help? How many refugees can our country resettle? And Dave and I have a great aunt, Aunt Dolores, who is 90. She has COVID, she lives in North Dakota. And Dave and I keep saying, we've got to call her but we haven't gotten around to it because, you know, it takes a whole hour to talk to sweet Aunt Dolores on the telephone. I think the placement of the Mary window in our church represents some of this tension that I'm describing. On the one hand, there are the rules, the way of life we all know, and the way that we all believe we should follow. And then on the other side, there is this passionate extravagance that sees love in ever-widening circles of concentric waves. 
This window was dedicated to Mary and the one next to it to her sister Martha in 1947. Look at these great women who inspire us in our faith, and yet, and yet it would be decades later before women would be allowed to serve as deacons and elders in our church. Mrs. Hobson, Milburn Hobson's mother, was one of the first two female deacons elected in 1961, and a whole nother decade would pass when two women were named elders in 1971. Do we play it safe or do we take a risk? Do we follow the rules or do we break the rules out of a sense of love? My heart tells me that I would much rather love like Mary than play it safe like Judas. But my life doesn't always tell that story. I think about a story that I read last April from one of the national newspapers. It seems that last spring, the funeral homes in New York City were absolutely overwhelmed and unable to keep up with all the fatalities due to COVID. A professor of mortuary science who lived in upstate New York near the Canadian border decided that he could help. He gathered up some of his students in his program of mortuary science, and they drove down to New York City and started loading up trucks with bodies and delivering them to crematoriums in Pennsylvania and Vermont and upstate New York. And with the permission of the families, they would then return the cremains to the funeral home in New York City for proper burial by the loved ones. This operation was called Hands with a Heart, and hands with the heart moved hundreds of bodies every week. One of the funeral directors in Queens called the professor and his program an absolute godsend. He said they showed up out of nowhere to save us. And another funeral director in the city said that because of this program, which lightened his very high workload, he was able to then help nine other families. The professor sloughed it off saying that he was just glad he could help the grieving families. For him, this is spiritual work, holy work. For some reason, that story lingered with me all these months because it seemed like such lavish work, such a lavish gift. So many of us sit back and wonder, hmm, what can we do? But this man connected hands to heart and loved extravagantly. Like Mary, he took the moment to do holy work instead of sitting around like Judas and making a list of all the reasons why this might not work out well. I think I've shared with you in the past about a woman named Osceola McCarty who lived her whole life in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. She dropped out of school in sixth grade to take care of a sick family member, and she spent the next 75 years earning her living as a laundress, taking in other people's laundry, scrubbing the darks on the washboard in her backyard and boiling the whites in a big bucket and then hanging them on the clothesline to dry. She never married. And when she was 87 years old, she gave her life savings of $150,000 to the University of Southern Mississippi for scholarships for African-American girls. Someone asked her, why not spend that money on yourself? And she replied, oh, but I am. Why can't we love like that? 
I kept looking back at the window for clues. Is Mary like the two women who flank her, Eunice teaching her son Timothy the scriptures, Elizabeth teaching her son John the Baptist the lessons of faith? Is Mary teaching us that the greatest of these is love? Or is Mary an example of family love, like Mary the mother of Mark or Salome the mother of John? Or is Mary like the Old Testament women in the window who encountered tragedy that broke their hearts and then became open to a deeper love? For example, Sarah, who was barren until she finally conceived well after she was on Social Security. Or Ruth, who became a very young widow and had to start her whole life over again in a strange foreign land. But then I realized here in this gospel story, Mary is not so much an example as she is a prophet. The oil that Mary used to anoint Jesus was not just used for perfume. It was also used in the culture to anoint bodies for burial. When Mary pours out that lavish gift, she is pointing to what is about to happen in the future for after she caresses Jesus' feet with this extravagant jar of oil, Jesus will get up and go a few days later to share a last supper with his disciples. And at that supper, Jesus will kneel down and insist on washing the disciples' feet. This is more than some kind of functional foot care. This act reveals the grander purpose of God. As Jesus washes their feet, he gives them a new commandment. Love one another. Mary, you see, Mary realizes that something precious is right before her eyes. The living God has come to her in human flesh. That is the real extravagance, that God so loved the world. What is over-the-top excessive is that no matter how we spend our time and our money, God's mercy is continually showered upon us with unending grace. Mary's act of wasting that precious oil, it foreshadows that Jesus' life will be poured out, broken open, wasted for all of humanity. God's love for you, it's extravagant.